the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. 262 CP, Bayonet Point, WTBN, Pinellas Park. Portions of this hour have been pre-recorded for broadcast at this time. Up next is Verse by Verse, sponsored by Verse by Verse Ministries. In other words, the only way that any of us will ever agree to give up our rights and esteem others more important than ourselves is by submitting to the will of God. You don't do it just because you decided to do it. It is a heart issue. It is an issue of submission in your heart. We serve others, even difficult and challenging people, because our hearts are surrendered to the will and authority of God. Submission is very nearly a dirty word in the American culture, isn't it? But without submission, there can be no real joy. We'll learn more today on Verse by Verse with Pastor Steve Kreloff of Lakeside Community Chapel in Clearwater, Florida. This is the concluding part of the message, Christmas Joy. Joy is the thread running all through the book of Philippians. In chapter 2, we find the Christmas story told not from our point of view, but from God's point of view. Open your Bible there as Pastor Steve comes to share with us. Let me show you what I consider one of the greatest passages in all the Word of God, John chapter 13. You want to see the humility of Christ? Here's the humility of Christ. John chapter 13. This is part of the, his farewell discourse to his apostles. He's meeting with them. He's explaining to them how he's going to leave them soon. He's giving them final instructions about life without him, at least physically being with them. Notice, John chapter 13. Starting in verse 1, we read this. Now before the feast of the Passover, Jesus, knowing that his hour had come, that he would depart out of this world to the Father, having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. During supper, the devil, having already put into the heart of Judas Iscariot, the son of Simon, to betray him, Jesus, knowing that the Father had given all things into his hands and that he had come forth from God and was going back to God, got up from supper and laid aside his garments and taking a towel, he girded himself, put aside his normal clothes, put an oriental apron around himself, and we read this. Then he poured water into the basin, and began to wash the disciples' feet and to wipe them with a towel in which he was girded. You understand that people in that day did not sit at a table like we do. Their feet were not politely under the table. They were spread out as they leaned. They didn't have enclosed shoes. They had sandals, and so whatever they picked up from those dusty roads, that's the kind of schmutz that was on their feet. That's right, I said schmutz. And it was normally the role of the youngest or the slave to wash people's feet before they ate. Jesus waited. None of his disciples did it. So he did it. He did it. 
Notice, you jump down to verse 12, and we have him explaining this. So when he had washed their feet and taken his garments and reclined at the table again, he said to them, do you know what I've done to you? You call me teacher and Lord, you're right, for so I am. If I then, the creator, not the creator, but that's, that's the thought here. He's God, the Lord. And teacher, washed your feet. You also ought to wash one another's feet. For I gave you an example that you should do as I did to you. Now, I don't think the Lord was leaving us an ordinance of washing feet. I do think what he was saying, in whatever culture you're in, humble yourself and serve others. I, your creator, your Lord, your teacher, your rabbi, your master, your God. I washed your feet. It doesn't get much lower than that. I washed your feet. Whatever it takes when I'm gone, serve one another with humility. Folks, the point that, to go back to Philippians 2, that Paul is making and telling us that Jesus gave up his rights to exist in the form of God by taking the form of a slave is to say that this is the way that, that we're supposed to be. We're supposed to follow his example of servanthood, that example set by him. That's the point I, I quoted before, Matthew 20, verse 28, the Son of Man didn't come to be served, but to serve. That comes at the end of our Lord lecturing his disciples who were arguing over who is greatest, to say to them, you're arguing out of pride. It's not a matter of who's over others, of who's highest in my kingdom. What matters is that you're humble like a little child and that you're a servant, you're a slave. The greatest in my kingdom is a slave. The greatest in my kingdom is the, is the one who serves others, not who lords it over others. You guys have it wrong. That's the way of the world. The way of my kingdom is just the opposite. It's serving others, and I'm your example. The Bible calls us to emulate our Lord by serving one another. So how do we do that? We do that by esteeming others more important than ourselves. It takes a, a change of mind by putting their interests above our own interests. But the New Testament, when it talks about this, is very practical and very specific when it comes to telling us how we can serve others. Let me give you a few suggestions from scripture more than suggestions this is what the word of god says ephesians chapter 4 verse 29 says we are to speak words of encouragement to one another not words that tear down not nasty words not even neutral words but words of encouragement ephesians 4 verse 29 let no unwholesome word proceed from your mouth but only such a word as is good for edification according to the need of the moment so that it will give grace to those who hear. You strengthen others by saying, not what they want to hear, what they need to hear, to bring encouragement, edification, building them up. Galatians 6.2 says we are to bear one another's burdens. We all have burdens. So we come alongside of one another, and by prayer, and by friendship, and by understanding, and by a listening ear, and by a compassionate heart, we bear each other's burdens. There's a physical or financial need we get under them and we, we help them carry the load. New Testament says we are to show hospitality to each other, inviting one another over to our homes. We are to be sensitive to widows, making sure that their needs are met. We are to help those among us who are financially poor and strapped. We can also serve others just practically by taking a meal to them if they are in need of that, visiting them when they're 
ill. That's not just the pastor's job to do. It's all of us. Listening to others by taking an interest in what interests them. Michelle and I were recently on a cruise, and at the end of the cruise, when we were getting ready to disembark from the ship, we were put in a group in a room with lots of people, and I I overheard a conversation by some people saying that they really didn't enjoy that much having their grandchildren visit them. Why? Because they just have such interests that are not our interests. They're they're, uh, they didn't use this exact word, but they, what they meant, they were texting, they were on their phones, they're into computers, they're into computer games, things like that. And we have nothing in common with them. And I thought, how sad. How sad and how selfish of you. I didn't say that to them. I thought that. Instead of taking an interest in their grandchildren and what interests their grandchildren, finding out about their world, what they're all about, their interests, these folks just decided that they were going to keep their emotional distance from them. Listen, the Lord calls us to serve each other by giving up our rights to live isolated lives. We're told to take an interest in what interests others. And when you do this, you'll have joy in the Lord because that's where joy lives. In serving others, Jesus said it is better to give than to receive. Being a servant, not in being served by others. This is the real Christmas message. This is the mind of Christ, being selfless and serving others. But there is a third quality of the mind of Christ that Paul reveals. The mind of Christ is also submissive to God. Notice verse 8. Being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death. Let's stop there. Paul tells us that when Jesus humbled himself, it wasn't only to be born as a man, but it was also to die as a man. So you cannot separate the birth of Christ from the death of Christ. The reason that Jesus ceased existing in the form of God was so that he could be born into this world and eventually die as the God-man. And what Paul is primarily telling us here is that Christ birth, and death were a matter of obedient submission to God the Father's will. Look at verse 8 again. Being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming, note this, obedient to the point of death. Obedient to who? Obedient to the Father. In other words, Christ came into this world ultimately to die by the sovereign plan of God the Father. And he was submissive to that plan. He didn't fight it didn't argue. Hebrews 10, verse 7, which is a quote from Psalm 40, says, Behold, speaking of Christ, I have come in the scroll of the book, it is written of me, to do your will, O God. In the Psalms, it says, I delight to do your will, O God. In Gethsemane, Jesus prayed, not my will, but thine be done. And in John chapter 10, the Lord said several times, I lay down my life. No one takes it. And I do this by the Father's command. Now, why does Paul feel compelled to tell us that that Christ's mind, his attitude in being born to die was characterized by submission to the Father? Why does Paul do this? Because watch this. He wants the Philippians and all of us to understand that the only way you will ever be motivated to selflessly serve others like Jesus did is by submitting your will 
to the Father just as Jesus did. In other words, the only way that any of us will ever agree to give up our rights and esteem others more important than ourselves is by submitting to the will of God. You don't do it just because you decided to do it. It is a heart issue. It is an issue of submission in your heart. We are to to serve others regardless of how we personally feel because it's a matter of obedience to God, not how we feel. We serve others, even difficult and challenging people, because our hearts are surrendered to the will and authority of God. Folks, that's the key. You're not just going to be determined, well, I'm going I'm to have a New Year's resolution. I'm going to serve others. That'll last one day unless you are submitting your hearts to the Lord with an attitude that says, whatever, Lord, whatever you want from me, I do for you. Submission is always the driving force behind serving others. Let, let me show you this. You may be surprised by some of these passages of Scripture, but it's important that you see this. In Ephesians chapter 5, when Paul is addressing wives and telling them how to how to respond to their husbands he says this Ephesians 5 verse 22 wives be subject to your own husbands but notice he adds as to the lord in submitting to your husband you are really submitting to the lord because that's his chain of authority you're not just called upon to submit to your husband apart from understanding that it is obedience and submission to the Lord himself. That's what drives you to submit to your husband, even if he's a difficult man to respect and to follow. Look at Ephesians chapter 6, one chapter over, verses 5 and 6. He speaks of slaves, but in our culture we'd say employees. Slaves, be obedient to those who are your masters according to the flesh with fear and trembling. Notice this, in the sincerity of your heart, as to Christ. It isn't just be submissive to your employer. It's be submissive to your employer as a way of being submissive to Christ. He adds in verse 6, not by way of eye service as men pleasers, but as slaves of Christ, doing the will of God from the heart. And when Peter commands us in 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 13, to be submissive to our government, even if you don't agree with our government in some things, he says, submit yourselves For the Lord's sake, to every human institution, whether to a king as one in authority, and then he goes on to speak of other civil authorities, but submit to the government for the Lord's sake, not whether you like it or not. So if you're ever going to experience joy as God wants you to, that's what his word says, then you need to make sure that your heart is surrendered to the Lord and that you're willing to do whatever he wants you to do because it's only when you have that attitude that you will selflessly serve others because you'll do it for his sake, not based on how you feel. Because most of the time we really don't feel like doing any kind of service. Listen, the depth of your service to others is always determined by your submission and devotion to God and his word, always. Now, as far so far, Paul has revealed three qualities about the mind of Christ. It is selfless, stops grasping at its own rights. It serves others by meeting the needs of others. It is submissive because its source of strength and motivation is obedience to God. The fourth and final quality that Paul reveals about the mind of Christ is the mind of Christ is sacrificial. Sacrificial. 
As Paul concludes his statement in verse 8 about Christ dying in submission to the will of God, he deliberately makes the point of describing the, the way that Jesus died. Notice verse 8 again. Being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death. And then he adds, even death on a cross. Now, why does Paul mention the cross? Why doesn't he just say that Jesus died and just leave it at that? Why? Because he wants us to understand how far Jesus went in humbling himself. See, death by crucifixion was not only the most shameful and disgraceful way that ancient Rome punished its criminals, but death by hanging on a tree, which is what a cross is, was also the way that Scripture says God punished those whom he cursed and abandoned, forsaken. We, we saw this a few months ago, Galatians 3.13. Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law, having become a curse for us, for it is written, Cursed is everyone who hangs on a tree. Paul is quoting from the law, from Deuteronomy 21.23. It tells us that anyone who hangs on a tree is cursed by God, abandoned by God, forsaken by God. Paul tells us that Christ died as a curse in our place because we were cursed because we could not and would not obey God's law. We're all lawbreakers. When Jesus died, God treated him as an accursed lawbreaker, though he was sinless. He died to redeem us, meaning that his death was the payment to satisfy the justice that had been, that had been violated. But it satisfied God's justice and punishment. He demands eternal punishment for the breaking of his law. Jesus was eternally punished on the cross as God the Father poured out his wrath on his own son and abandoned him as he was paying for the sins of all who would eventually believe in him. So what Paul wants us to understand is not simply the meaning of Christ's atoning sacrifice, but in this Statement, he wants us to grasp how far the mind of Christ will go in humbling itself to serve others, even death on a cross. Jesus went from the glories of his throne in heaven where he existed in the radiant form of God to being an accursed and forsaken sin sacrifice on earth. And he did it to serve those of us who would eventually believe in him. And at no time did the Lord ever say, enough of this, I demand my rights. Don't you know who I am? No, he didn't do that. Instead, he let men falsely accuse him of being demonic, of being an illegitimate child, a blasphemer, a criminal. And then he let them put him on a tree where he was forsaken and separated from God the Father as divine wrath was poured out on him. And yet he never demanded, through all of this, never demanded his rights. Now that's humility. Think about that the next time you struggle with humbling yourself to serve someone. See, folks, the mind of Christ sacrifices for the sake of others. Now, you and I, as I said, we, we can't copy the merits of Christ's death, but we can copy the humble attitude of his sacrifice by loving others enough to serve them, even, note this, when it's inconvenient for us. That's the true spirit of Christmas. That's the way to maintain joy and never lose it all year round. Now, as we bring this message to a close, let me give you some practical ways to put these truths into action. First of all, make sure that you personally know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior and that you aren't mistaken thinking you're a Christian just because you're churchy or religious 
or have warm feelings about God? No, have you ever acknowledged your sinful condition and trusted Christ and his death on the cross alone as the basis for your salvation? That's what being a Christian is. Seeing yourself as a condemned sinner, deserving of hell forever and ever because you have violated God's will, broken all of his laws, but Christ, in his mercy and grace, paid, paid the price for sinful man. And if you trust him alone, not whatever you do and Christ, but trust him alone, base your salvation, base forgiveness of sin, base going to heaven on him and his death alone, the Bible says you're, you become a new creature in Christ. So that's the first thing. Make sure you know Jesus who was born into this world. Secondly, if you already know him as Lord and Savior, then start displaying the mind of Christ today, not tomorrow. Let me suggest you do the following. Just a few practical thoughts for you. Number one, tone down talking about yourself. Tone down talking about yourself and what's going on in your life and start asking questions of others about themselves, what's going on in their lives, and listen to them. Esteem others more important than you. Don't monopolize the conversation about yourself. Secondly, look for someone or a group of people that you can serve, and then just do it. Just do it. Be aware of the needs of others and look for tangible ways to meet their needs. Stop thinking about yourself and be alert to what's going on in other people's lives and help meet those needs. Number three, make sure that your heart is in full submission to Christ. Make sure that you've surrendered your rights to him, your your rights to your, your time, your energy, your money, your possessions, everything. As one of his redeemed followers, there ought to be absolutely nothing that you are not willing to give up for his sake. And I realize that's an ongoing struggle we all have, but keep reaffirming that and asking the Lord to help you in that area. And then ask God to help you to be genuinely humble. We can be very proud about our humility. So I say genuine humility, like Jesus. And don't, don't complain when he answers that prayer by sending difficult people in your life. That's part of the answer. He'll send you challenging people. You've asked him to help you to be humble. Now humble yourself and serve them. That's part of the sanctifying process. Do all of this and you'll experience the joy of Christmas every day of the year. Let's bow for prayer. If you have never trusted Christ, I I urge you with all of my heart, may today be the day of your salvation. Turn to him. Turn to him. Don't let a moment go by without knowing the Savior. Because if you don't trust him and you die, you die in your sins and there's never a way out of eternal hell. So I urge you, make sure you know Christ. Father, thank you for allowing us this Christmas to study such a precious passage of Scripture. Thank you for inspiring the Apostle Paul to write such meaningful words, to give us theological truth that's rich and profound and yet so practical. I pray that you'll help us, Lord, to put this, these truths into practice daily in our lives, change us, transform us. We struggle with selfishness. I struggle with selfishness. Struggle, Lord, with self-centeredness. Help us as we look to you and as you remind us of these truths. Help us to esteem others more important than ourselves and to, uh, to demonstrate the mind of Christ every day of our lives. And when we, when we don't do that, Lord, remind us again, convict us so that we might repent and do what's right. So Lord, I pray that you'll give 
each of us a wonderful Christmas day of adoring you, of esteeming our family and friends more important than ourselves, and that this would be a day that you would be honored and glorified by us. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thanks for listening to Verse by Verse. Have this attitude in yourselves, which was also in Christ Jesus, said the Apostle Paul. And then he went on to describe the amazing attitude of submission demonstrated by our Lord. Do you remember the three practical ways you can find joy this Christmas? First, make sure you personally know Jesus as your Lord and Savior. That is the first step. Next, start right now to have the mind of Christ and demonstrate that in your dealings with the people you encounter. And then make sure your heart is in full submission to Christ. Those are the keys to joy during this Christmas season and all year long. If you'd like to request a CD of the entire three-part message, call Verse by Verse at 727-239-0306. That's 727-239-0306. You can visit our website, versebyverseradio.org, and get free downloads of these broadcasts. Verse by Verse is a listener-supported ministry of Lakeside Community Chapel. We depend on the gifts of the Lord's people to keep this ministry going. Contact us by phone at 727-239-0306 or visit the website at versebyverseradio.org and click the Giving tab. This is Jerry Peterson. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never before seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com, salemnow.com.